1: Welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because we have to start our campaign for a leader of the house somewhere. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Bennett, who has scheduled a meeting with Matt Gates for this afternoon to curry his favor. <laughs> Benedict, what would be the first thing you do as leader of the house?
2: Dissolve parliament. Sorry, that's not <laughs> what we do here. Different uh, thing, different thing. Good yeah, idea, yeah, but no, different thing. No, yeah, speaker of the house. No, I can't do that. Um, uh, I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. I think uh, vote, <laughs> vote, put forward a motion to replace myself because I would be deeply <laughs> overwhelmed. <laughs> oh, no, I can't Have do this job. It's way yeah. too hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't pay well enough for this Probably shit. That. And you, you yeah, not, that's true. You're not actually powerful enough to uh, get away with any grifts where you make a bunch of money on the side.
2: No, it's interesting. I, I, uh, well, we'll talk about it. In my hot take. Well, actually, you know what? My hot take. I'll give it now, and then I'll ask you what you would do because mm-hmm. it, it, it is relevant. Is my, my hot take is play stupid games, win stupid prizes, <laughs> which is <laughs> what Kevin McCarthy. Oh, it's very that, you know, spicy shake today, Benedict. <laughs> that, <laughs> that chart of the guy that's like the fuck around on the x-axis yep, and the find yep. out on the y-axis. Kevin McCarthy just did both. Oh God, he it's really great. did. He really I love it. Did. It's, Excellent. And, and um, what
1: did he do to get it? Um,
2: <laughs> the only uh, bypass something he's ever done.
1: Was it even, really? Or yeah, was it really. just kicking the can for about a month and a half?
2: Well, it was, yeah, it was that. But it, I think it is uh, very funny that people are like, well, why aren't Democrats moving to save him? Because he's not done anything to curry favor with Democrats. Because he's a piece of shit. Why would they? they? Exactly. Like, Um, honestly,
1: Democrats are without power right now in the House because of the slim majority that that the Republicans have. And Republicans, my life, have shut down the government, what? Like, five, six times? Every single fucking time. It's them. It's because... And it's never
2: never when they have a a trifecta. No. The idea of
1: bipartisanship only ever applies to Democrats because Republicans get everything they want by obstruction, whereas Democrats generally, I'm not saying they're perfect, but want to actually, you know, do Do some stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh wow, we got off track already. Benedict!
2: No no no, now you need to tell me what you would do as speaker. Oh mine?
1: Uh it's obviously uh, change the uh, the dress code so you can wear uh, flip-flops and shorts. That's uh that's my But
2: only <laughs> if you're over six foot four. <laughs> no,
1: because it wouldn't apply to me then. Oh, I'm okay. the one who wants to wear flip-flops and shorts. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, anyways, Benedict. Uh you probably know what it is I do. we do yep. here on this program. Other folks Folks who have never been speakers of the House <laughs> Folks of who are about to give
2: us a one-star review, <laughs> having stumbled across <laughs> us by accident.
1: They might not know what exactly it is that we do here on this program. And then I would say, this is the yeah. show where we go deep, 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 deep to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative literature. And in between, take a look at the examples the right, doing their best to make America hate again, start us off. Oh, you already did start us off. I did. Too. I
2: have another one. Go for it. I know. I normally have zero, so the fact that I have two... Is frankly bizarre. It's not really a, a hot take. It's just a fact about my life. Um, I I recently so you know like when I send you the the episodes I, we do it via Google Drive or whatever because mm-hmm. yep. it's too big. Um, it's I too I, big. That's, I, right. that's I've been told that never in my life. Um, <laughs>
1: Google's the only one who ever tells you it's too big.
2: <laughs> Come on. Um, the. So, uh, there's a limit without paying. And I was like, how do I keep hitting this limit? The, the files are like, because you a gig, don't delete maybe. anything. No, I do. The problem is, I don't delete my emails. And like, I had so <laughs> many emails in my inbox that I had 12 oh. gigs of emails in my inbox. Wow, that so, is so many emails! It's so many emails. <laughs> I think since I set up this inbox, I have never deleted an email, I think, apart from out of annoyance at not getting a job. Oh, well, you
1: know, I'm going to leading off of your hot take. I'm going to change what mine was today. I'm going to go with um, it was very naive of me when I first became a lawyer to sign up for all of those daily update emails and assume I would ever have time to read them. Now they yeah. just hit my inbox every day and get deleted immediately. I don't have time, time for that shit. Time or
2: willpower or yep. desire or any of it. Like no, absolutely not. You you go into everything with the best of intentions and then uh, and then life collapses around you as always. Never works out. It seems. <laughs> no. Cool. Well, I had two. You can you can go back to your first one as well if you nah, like. Nah, I'm good. I'll save it for next okay. time. <laughs> okay. Cool. Keep it. Keep it. <laughs> Anyways, better luck. Let's move on.
1: What's on your bookshelf this week?
2: Uh, can I say uh, Singles Inferno? <laughs> what is <laughs> it with you in the fucking dating shows? It's a Korean dating why show. Why are you so, so obsessed good. with dating shows? Because I sometimes like to switch you're my brain off. You're the most married man I know. The I absolute s- most I'm married
1: world. I'm not going on
2: dating shows. I know this. I'm but very why, much. I can't very, understand why you're interested in it. Very much a wife guy. <laughs> uh, the. I don't know. I just I like I can't. So I don't know if you've ever because you did a, a a reading heavy degree, right? So yeah. like I Tube. the way my the way my brain works mm-hmm. when it is working, which is not always, is I. Can't help but analyze things. So, Mm -hmm. like, I finished my degree and tried to read The Hunger Games (laughs) because it was like, oh, that'll be a fun switch off your brain moment. And then my brain was like, finding allegory and like, oh, that's an interesting alliteration. I don't want to do that. I just want to read The (laughs) Hunger Games. I can't do it like at any level of like fiction or like my brain is just like, this is why it's good, this Mm -hmm. is why it's bad. Mm -hmm. Reality TV is the only thing that doesn't do that for me. So, I don't know. I just switches my brain off. I can have fun looking at other people's problems, relationships, solve things from afar without having to actually impact anyone's life. It's great. I love it. You know, That's why. You
1: know my solution to that whole problem of uh, over analysis Drugs? No, ADHD. <laughs> ADHD does it for you. When you're not able to pay attention long enough to do that deep analysis of anything, really helps you stay above it. Really cool. does.
2: That's a good job. <laughs> Congrats. I think I might have ADHD, honestly, but that's uh, not self-diagnosed. Does it
1: feel either. like there's a tornado in your brain all the time? Yeah, it does. Maybe that's yeah, it. Yeah, you might have maybe, it,
0: buddy. You maybe, might have it. Maybe that's why. <laughs> cool. What about
2: you?
1: Uh, for me this week, Benedict, speaking of books, uh, wow, we did The Thing again, where you yeah. did a show and I did a book. You we go. did The that's Thing. Good. Wow, yeah, we didn't good. even plan it. Fuck uh, I am recommending this week uh, the book Far Right Vanguard: The Radical Roots of Modern Conservatism.
2: Not far right Van Gogh. No, that's no. <laughs> a different different guy. <laughs> he cut a swastika into a his g- ear. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was I was gonna go with cutting off a different part of his body.
2: Uh, but uh- <laughs> literally an incel. Like-
1: uh, the Radical Roots of Modern Conservatism by John S. Huntington, much better than anything by Samuel P. Huntington. Uh, mm. Great book talking about uh, the the background of the American sort of the intellectual side of the right in you know, the the radical right uh, in the United States or people who deem themselves intellectuals at the very least and where a lot of that came from. Pretty good book. Uh, recommend it. Go check it out. It's good. It's interesting. Anyways, on to housekeeping this week. Benedict, remember to rate, interview us on the iTunes, follow us on the social medias. Uh, updates this week: uh, patron-only episode now available. The second half of our on time, only.
2: ahead of schedule. Fuck yeah! By like Look a few at days. Us. Shut By up. We days. did it. We did it. We did it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but it is out. It is available. You can go check that. Oh, and that reminds me. Like, uh, I got this thing from Patreon that I didn't really read the other day. That apparently now. Um, non patrons can join up and be part of like the community. I don't know if I have to go click something to make that possible or not. I don't know. Maybe I'll check it out. Uh, but if you're not a patron but you want to interact with our patrons, um, see our posts on there, comment on them, stuff like that. So apparently, you can go to Patreon now and become uh, like a, a community member
2: without having to become a patron. Or you could just become a patron. A patron. You could, but look, I'm I'm about having letting He's people. I,
1: I like the interaction. Plus, Patreon is the one place you can comment, and I know you will get a response because I yell at Benedict if he doesn't respond on you. So <laughs> you can go there, and you can yeah, you'll I, always as be we've able said before,
2: if you want if you wanna talk to Kevin, go on Twitter, yep. and if you wanna talk to me, <laughs> come on Patreon. <laughs>
1: And given my ADHD, well, sometimes I don't respond on Twitter. Yep, uh, but, uh, yeah, go check that out. That's available. It's all good. Uh, updates. I have one, one other major update, Benedict. Um, it's time to call out the Goon Squad today, uh, the troll army of uh, Not Your grandmother's Book Club podcast. Mm.
0: Um,
1: this YouTuber, um, some nobody named Jose, uh, let's look at his uh, measly little count with 240,000 subscribers. Nobody. This 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 worm put out two Steven Crowder videos after our Crowder episode came uh, that's out. That's Obviously ripping us off. Uh, and in re- response, of course, I need to call out the Goon Squad. Uh, and tell you all to go and uh, watch his videos, like and subscribe because Jose is pretty great uh, and he covered Steven's early life in some really great detail. Uh, so you should go check those out. Uh, just wanted to put that in there. I love Jose, he's a great YouTuber. He has great cool. content. Uh, you should definitely go check out those but videos. But
2: obviously it's biting our style. <laughs> Oh, of of course. For it's not
1: sure. like he's been doing this for years before us.
2: <laughs> all like those videos take a while to put together and have clearly been in the pipeline for some time. Nothing like that. Crib- at all. He cribbed our notes.
0: Go uh, Anyways, go, be nice to him, folks. Yeah,
1: do go check it out. Jose is great. Uh, but, Benedict, we have a new inductee into the spooky Ooh. world, new world order blah. An and that inductee. Is of course our newest patron. Right wing cruelty isn't a bug; it's a feature. Truest patron name other than the person who always does who we're gonna have on the next show. Anyway,
2: hold on, I'm warming up my jowls. <laughs> Wait a second. It's deep
1: in the throat. It's deep in okay. the throat. You gotta. Yeah, get but you have
2: there. to have a bit of like. There's a little.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of <laughs> the b word okay. joke that Patton Oswald has. Yeah. I bought <laughs> a beautiful bobble for <laughs> Uh But right wing cruelty isn't a bug; it's a feature. You are now part of our.
2: New World Spooky World So you do
1: it like you've got cotton in your mouth Like the most literal cotton mouth I've ever heard That's what it is uh, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. Okay, I'll I keep fix saying it I'm going to put it back in the thing, but I do really I love making you do it. I People like it. It's I fine. I do really love making you do it. Anyways, if you would like to join the spooky world, New World Order, blah, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommend it to other, and send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can, to drop me a screenshot to let me know, make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. And with all that out of the way, Benedict, it is time... To get into our video of Josh Hawley for the week. Uh, okay. Short one, it should be, I hope. Right. Uh, this is a speech he gave at the National Conservatism Conference 2 about a year ago. Uh, titled is
2: that the titled Was that the fashy one? It's a very
1: fashy one, yeah. yeah. Uh, National no, Conservatism. The co- I, what, the conference? Oh, the uh, fucking everything, man. National <laughs> Conservatism, just as a name. Boy, and we're not going to get into it because it's past the cutoff point I had for this video, but there is a point in this speech where he starts talking about uh, Herbert Mark Hughes and the Frankfurt okay. School and Marx. Um, and it's very clear where Josh's influences
0: came from. Uh, so let's give it a listen. It's a, a pleasure to be back. I had the honor of, some of you will remember, of speaking at the inaugural National Conservatism Conference two years ago. After that speech, the press said that I was a racist, a fascist, and Why? a Nazi, if memory serves Why well, is going
2: to be a theme of this episode. If
0: you recall, Benedict,
1: we listened to that speech. I do recall, yeah. And we listened to the exact moment that he got called that for, and it was very clear-coded anti-Semitism. That's what he got called that for.
0: So when Yaram invited me to come back this year, I said, what's to lose? I mean, how could he say no? It's uh, Halloween today. Happy Halloween. My two small children at home. I've got two little boys and then eleven months. By the way, he is opening up here basically with a comedy set. He's got a couple of jokes written in. Okay, that's what, that's all what right. this whole set is about. He heard
2: our right-wing comedy huh? episode yep. and then
0: thought it okay. never ends. Thought girl, but my two little boys have been trying to convince me all week to come trick-or-treating with them, and I've been trying to figure out how would you explain a grown man going door to door, scaring parents, and then threatening to retaliate if they don't do as they're told. And then it came to me: I'll just go as Merrick Garland. Yeah, it's a crowd-pleaser. Ah, it's also funny,
2: because no parents ever trick-or-treat with their children.
1: Yeah, because Merrick Garland did that, and it had nothing to do at all with parents who were threatening school board members. Nothing yep. to do with death threats going to school board members. Let's just wash that under the rug.
0: When I was here two years ago, I spoke about the left's ambition to create a world beyond belonging. And we got a goddamn ad!
2: Of course we did. Every
1: fucking time! Why does this always happen to me? A second ad, two in a row! It's staying in the episode, I'm not not cutting it out, I'm leaving it in.
0: A place where community and shared culture, our culture, counts for little. Tonight I want to talk to you about another aspect of the left's attempt to fundamentally remake America.
2: His cadence reminds me of Elvis Presley and Are You Lonesome Tonight? <laughs> you know, well tonight I want to talk to you about the left. No, it's I more like know. I don't know <laughs> why,
1: but to me there's a ring of like the Shatner talking uh, music <laughs> tracks.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the that's what Presley does in the in Are You Lonesome Tonight? He just the music's playing in the background and he like does a weird like, let me tell you, I'm lonesome. Tonight. <laughs> You know, it's one of those.
1: Uh, Josh should really do his own spoken word version of hurt.
0: America, I want to talk to you about the left's attempt to give us a world beyond men. We meet at a time of reckoning. Please play
2: Are You Lonesome Tonight in the background of this.
0: (laughs) I don't want to get copyright struck. Yeah, fair enough. As we speak, the left control the commanding heights of American society. They have... The White House, the House of Representatives, the Senate. Their voices predominate in the news media, in Hollywood, arguably sports, and, of course, in our universities.
1: Mm. Of course in our of universities. Course Why, of course? Mm,
0: because Jews. Yeah. This is their hour, and they're determined to use it.
1: Like, I don't say that because I think Holly is explicitly referencing Jews there. I say it because the they control these things is... Like it's a, a laundered version of of anti- Yeah, it's yeah. a laundered version of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Yeah.
0: Look, the left know what they believe. They believe that the United States of America is a systemically racist, structurally oppressive, hopelessly patriarchal kind of place.
1: I mean, he's not wrong. He's not he's not yeah. necessarily wrong. Like he's using obviously like very hard language that I think a lot of people more thoughtful would tamper a bit, but He's not necessarily wrong there, that we generally believe those sorts of things.
2: Yeah, I'd say
1: so. I don't know about hopelessly, because that implies there is no hope, but,
2: you know.
0: And they say it at every opportunity that they get. It's a dystopia, really, on their view, if only Americans would get woke enough to see it for what it really is. He said woke. We got to take a shot.
2: Yep. Oh, I've taken many their shots messages, before this
0: episode. <laughs> this nation needs to be taught how unjust it is to begin with and then completely remade from top to bottom. That's the leftist project. That's their grand ambition. What's wrong with that? To deconstruct the United States. That of
2: deconstructing gets you Michelin stars, baby. That's like <laughs> that's that's how we improve meals. We just want America to have a Michelin star. <laughs>
1: Look, we want an America where every food item has a Parmesan crisp placed on top of it. We want
2: an American laundry. France has one. (laughs) Fuck you, Thomas Keller. (laughs) (laughs) Niche niche joke for my foodies.
0: This work of deconstruction is what unites today's left, and draws together all of their various projects from critical race theory to their economic socialism to their bizarre war on women's sports. Yeah. But what I want you to notice, what I want to call out tonight is that the deconstruction of America begins with and depends on the deconstruction of American men. The left wanted to define traditional masculinity as toxic. They want to define the traditional masculine virtues, things like courage and independence and assertiveness.
2: None of those things are toxic masculinity. I mean,
1: assertiveness can be. Ah, All those things could be be toxic masculinity. He's just making a blanket statement that we say Mm -hmm. all of them are, regardless of any other underlying characteristics about
0: them. Exactly. As a danger to society. This is an effort that the left has been at for years now, and they have had... Alarming success. American men are working less, they're getting married in fewer numbers, they're fathering fewer children, they're suffering more anxiety and depression, they're engaged.
1: You're going to yell why, Benedict? Feels like a time no. for you to yell why.
2: I'm, sa- I'm saving it for the book where uh-huh. I've written why about 17,000 yeah. times. Again,
1: the reason why I picked this clip is it was the, the basic talking points here are so similar to what we're going to go through <laughs> in the first chapter this week. American
2: men are lazy. They recycle the books that they've written into. <laughs>
1: they don't come up with new ideas. is
2: at conservative they, conferences. They
1: prefer Thomas Keller over Alice Waters. <laughs> uh, Chez Panisse is a great restaurant in Berkeley. No
0: engaging in more substance abuse many men in this country are in crisis and their ranks are swelling and that's not just a crisis for men that's a crisis for the American Republic because the problem with the left's assault on the masculine virtues is that those self-same qualities the very ones that the left now vilify as toxic and dangerous have long been regarded as vital ...to self-government.
2: Mm, no. Yeah, I mean, this is basically chapter one, so I don't know if we should just... It's very much chapter one. one.
1: You get yeah. yeah, I guess we can end there. I, basically, I was shocked when I was looking for a video for today. I was like, oh, this is this is just chapter Zit. one of the book. That's all it is. That's all it is there. Yeah. Anyways, Benedict, that brings us to the beginning of our review of manhood, the masculine mm. virtues America needs by America's saddest sad boy, Josh Hawley. Um, And today we did chapter one, which is relatively short compared to what we're used to. In the future, we might end up doing multiple chapters in an episode. uh, But I figured, you know, first episode, one chapter. Let's dip our toe in that way. It feels like the right way to get uh, a a basic intro to this book. No preface. It basically is an introductory
2: chapter. No preface. 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 Preface? Preface.
1: Preface, uh, As the Italians say, prefus. Uh,
2: (laughs) Preface. (laughs) Preface. I was so fuck. As as Machiavelli said,
1: I did the Kevin McAllister, both hands on the side of my face when that quote actually showed up in this chapter. I was like,
2: "What? It's so funny. I can't believe you did something that dumb." And twice he wanted to quote Machiavelli, like. He also shoehorns we'll in a Teddy we'll Roosevelt bit somehow. It's crazy. We'll get to it. We'll get to it.
1: But chapter one is of course called "Benedict in the Beginning." Did
2: we the... go over the chapters in the in the intro? Did, did we? I did think we. Tell we everyone I think
1: we, we. said what all the chapters are. Let's um, do it again because I okay. think it's. I think I'll it's just work- run wow. through them. Uh, yep. In the beginning, a man's mission, a man's battle, a man's promise. Husband, father, warrior, builder, <laughs> priest, king. And the epilogue of Temples and Men.
2: Not of Mice and Men. I was also very disappointed uh, that Butcher, Baker, nor Candlestick Maker made it in <laughs> <laughs> to any of the titles. I would have thought Butcher might have done, but maybe that's a bit too, too on the nose. Uh, do you have
1: an alternate chapter title for us this week, Benedict?
2: <laughs> oh, I actually forgot that we did that because it's been so long. So, no idea. I, I didn't. guess we didn't
1: do it for the last book. Yeah. Because, no, were, I, yeah, that kind I, of makes I, sense. I, okay. I,
2: I will have one for next time. Um, but I mean, what I will say, just impressions wise, is that there are a lot of, like, it's this is a very religiously undertoned book. And even overtoned, honestly. Like, everything around. Did you not believe me when I told you he was a Christian fascist? No, I did. But everything around is very couched in, um, religious language i mean like in the beginning is the first chapter title like you could even even be like genesis like this really like that could be my alternate chapter title is genesis like this is very it's gotta
1: be fuck you phil collins Uh, (laughs) you should have saved that drowning kid it's a myth that's not what the story is about it's not what it's it's about that's just a myth that people came up with i know don't fuck with no don't don't give me shit for that i know we can still pretend that untrue things are true if it's funny
2: (laughs) What's your alternate chapter title? (laughs) Pre-cum
1: Okay, Uh, (laughs) All right. Anyways, Benelict, it begins For a time, I worked as a law professor in Missouri And my job naturally afforded me ample opportunity for conversations with students
2: You know, I can tell you worked as a law professor Because you're using way too many words to express a simple idea
1: uh, I mean, look, I'm not going to that. Natu- okay. that sentence. And
2: my job naturally afforded me ample opportunity for conversation with students. And as a result, I talked with students a lot. Just say normal things.
1: Yeah, sure. Fine. I, look, I use
2: words like ample opportunity in my writing because I'm a prick. Like, shut up. That's I'm, not true. I use words like that. I just don't like this man <laughs> and therefore everything <laughs> is going to annoy me. Yeah.
1: Uh, <coughs> continuing they came to see me about papers and exams and difficult to understand law cases and all manner of other things that students want or need. And sometimes, more often than you might expect, they would tell me about what was going on in their lives. Um, And this is the part where I have to tell everyone, every law school has a Josh Hawley, which is to say, the professor who's a Christian fascist and, you know, nobody really sees that on the surface but a certain number of students get all his dog whistles and and Mm. go to him for shit like this. And just as a point of advice, you should never go talk to Josh Hawley about your problems. Just don't talk to Josh Hawley about your problems. It's not a good idea. He doesn't have any good advice to give Have
2: you heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Pray the gay away. That'll work for you, Timmy. Continuing. Those were interesting conversations. I was barely over 30 years old at the time and can't say I was in much of a position to offer sage life counsel. Well, then you shouldn't have. Yeah. You should have said, you know, we have a counselor here. <laughs> Universities have pastoral care
2: structures that, that are supposed <laughs> to help with that.
1: Yeah. yeah, they really should. But I did soon enough begin to notice a pattern. Many of the young men who came to see me were struggling and in ways they found hard exactly to define. Some lacked confidence. Some lacked direction. Others could not seem to get motivated. They were afraid to fail, to venture out and take a risk, but felt at the same time dissatisfied with their lives as they knew them.
2: Let's pause there, because I think that's worth talking about. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, uh, like I said, this is going to be the theme of the episode. Why? Capitalism. Why? why yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, going yeah, an, to answer that, capitalism Kevin, basically every time. I, I have written <laughs> capitalism in the book. You see there? That says capitalism. I know you can't read it. But, like, that is why. And, it's you know, especially in law school where you're paying such a lot of money a lot Mm -hmm. of the time to study something that then requires you to stick to that grind forever to ever be able to repay your loans. Like, people can't go to law school and then not be a lawyer. That's not an opportunity afforded to them, really. It does
1: make me sort of need to address uh, something someone said recently that you responded to, which was my joke about depression, Um, which is to say... Um, I suffer from depression like everyone does um, yeah. I, I've not been diagnosed with, like clinical depression or anything of like that and I certainly don't experience anything that would make me think I have that but there is an element of of my life being a lawyer where some days uh, I I look at the clock and it's you know one in the morning and I'm still working yeah. I've, I've built like yesterday I built 13 and a half hours mm-hmm. um, which just is just Insane some days, and I think to myself, "Is this what the rest of my fucking life is going to be? Mm-hmm. Like, did I really want this when I decided to go to law school?" And that kind of shit's fucking depressing. Yep. That does cause depression, and law school, like a fuckload of people in law school are depressed because yep. it is an anxiety-inducing environment where you're you are pressured. To, because you know, for the most part, people who make it into law schools, it's not, not, any, not everyone gets in. You do have to apply to law schools and have high enough grades and scores mm-hmm. and things. Everyone's an overachiever. Everyone and then there, it's, it's
2: competitive overachievement yes, even once you
1: get there. You are literally pitted against each other by the way that law school grading works. There's a curve mm-hmm. on, in every single class where your grades are dependent upon what the grades of other people are. The only way you succeed is by outdoing the others. So yeah, it it's a zero a,
2: zero sum game, right? It's a, you know, yeah, it no, is a
1: stress-inducing environment. It, is, it I've seen a lot of people who were depressed because of their law school experience, and that's a fucking problem. And Josh Hawley doesn't have a goddamn thing to say that's going to make it a, the slightest bit better for anybody yeah. else. He has no fucking clue on what the real problem these kids were going through. Yes, no goddamn idea. Confirm
2: for the listeners that you're mostly okay and only oh, yeah, depressed. Mostly okay. Yeah, mostly. okay. I mean there
1: are other things in my life. Like I've talked about how I had several clients die in prison over the last year. I've I've dealt with depression and yeah. <laughs> uh, I take it seriously and you know um the joke about my own depression because that's how I deal with it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cuz that's the healthy way to battle depression. Uh, so um, it picks Well up. no, I, but okay. no no no. I think I, I think it's worth discussing a bit further is that we have been sold this idea of prestige right and Mm -hmm. that you you work towards this ultimate goal especially you know people of our generation of it's like you go to college and then you get the good job and you buy the house and whatever like i that might not be our goals but it's certainly what we were told right Mm -hmm. that's the that's and and you know that isn't enough that doesn't happen you go to law school you're not guaranteed that you're guaranteed debt pretty much. Mm-hmm. You're not guaranteed a way out of debt. You're not guaranteed a, a house. Like you this know, is I, obviously I, a very you know, this is a unique problem to us, like coming from middle class yeah. families and like that people have it a lot worse. I'm not oh, saying yeah. they don't. No, for
1: sure. I mean I will say, like, I am in massive loads of debt. Like I I, I joke about that a lot. I have three hundred and sixty some thousand dollars worth of student loan debt.
2: Yeah. And, and I'm it's al- predatory as well. Like the, the, yeah. the, the way American debt works is extremely predatory.
1: And, and I make good money. The reality is, is most lawyers will make a decent living. You're not going to be worrying where you're going to get food for the next day. But I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to pay that debt off. Yeah. I don't know if that is a reality that will ever actually happen in my lifetime because the interest is accumulating so fucking fast now that it's restarted. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to come over that burden. So, I live by, mer- by merits of having gone to law school, a very good law school, having a great job as a lawyer. I am, I am fine. The rest of my life is going to be great. But in no way does it compare to the people who did what I, I have done 20 or 30 years ago, who yep. weren't saddled with this massive fucking debt, who yep. came out and entered a workforce where they were able to rise faster and were able to make more money and this, that, and the other. Like we have saddled our generation benedict and my generation and those who came after us with such an insurmountable burden i don't fucking know how anyone's going to overcome it unless we have some drastic change um, and really maybe that's
2: why that. people maybe that's why people aren't going to college like have we considered that we haven't you even know, gotten like, to that point of the chapter know, yet well i know i know but but i do i think it's i do think this this having your whole life predetermined by the choices you make when you're 18, maybe that yeah. has something to do with why people are fucking upset. Yeah.
1: Like, honestly, it, it, people should have the the idea that comes up is like a uh, uh, job transferability, right? Yeah. Uh, because I have a law degree, I'm basically locked into being a lawyer. There are other things I could do with a law degree, obviously. Well, also
2: but, be, well because you have law degree debt, you're right. locked into being a lawyer. <laughs> right. that's, that's the thing. I right. mean, you know.
1: The idea being, uh, and there was, who did I hear talking about this recently? Um, It was, oh, it was fucking uh, Michael Sheen. I heard Mm -hmm. Michael Sheen, he did an interview, I think at like, uh, what is that, Something Y in New York, 92Y or something like
2: that? Yeah, 92Y, yeah.
1: Yeah, Um, he did an interview and he was asked a question by a member of the audience about like the industry, the acting industry and the struggles there. And he had a great response, which is how the way we've created that industry, you were expected to, pay your dues and do all this work for free and this that and the other and what it results in is that only people who have you know family wealth are the ones who are able to go through all that and make it to the point where they same with journalism right it's it's yeah he had a fantastic response you go check that out uh i love I have said many times, I love Michael Sheen and David Tennant. Both of them are fantastic. Also, apparently, uh, Graham Linehan got fucking booted from something for criticizing David Tennant and calling him a groomer. So that's, that's also fun. fantastic. Good. That was a great thing that happened the other day. Anyways, why don't we get back to the book? Sorry, yeah,
2: it's a short chapter. I thought we could uh, I thought we could take a, the scene. I,
1: I, look, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I just know by the time we hit an hour, you're going to be like, okay, can we speed this up? I'll be I'll yawning, I'll a- <laughs> yeah. That's right. So he continues. I think of one law student in particular. I'll call I him found this
2: kind of gross, I yeah, would say. Like this, yeah.
1: It is, and I'm reading it to highlight that it's gross. Yep, it's uh, exploitative. He was a computer scientist by training, a bright and talented young man, sociable, witty, a person of faith, by all appearances well positioned to succeed in life.
2: Sorry, one sec. I keep going to say pause it, and it's not pause it. You I can't pause you. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? From My
1: now brain. on, I'll just do an audio book reading yeah. of the book, <laughs> so you so you can just tell me pause to it. pause it whenever you want.
2: Yeah. Well, so I, I just want to say that I mean what he says here kind of belies what he says later is that like faith is the the resolution right. to all of this. Right. And this this person he's giving the example of is already a person of faith. So sorry, carry well
1: on. it's it's the thing that a lot of Christians and a lot of just general people in the United States do, which is equating religion with morality. If you're yeah. a person of faith, you're moral. That is not true in the slightest. Yeah, uh, but
2: I think he's going to argue as well that that gives our lives a structure and whatever that that makes this sort of self-doubting and questioning not happen. And sure, that's clearly and not true. I mean, it's just, yeah, like, clearly even by wrong. his own example, <laughs> he gives, it's not true.
1: As someone who was raised Catholic and was wracked with <laughs> doubt every fucking day of my life. Well, Catholics
2: are different. Uh, Catholic, yeah, Catholics well, yeah. are built different yeah, with the, you know, the guilt and doubt that they have.
1: So why all priests drink? Uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> Every priest drinks, without doubt. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Uh, But he seemed unable to take the next step out into life itself, to leave behind his family and school and actually live, which is in italics for some reason. I'm not Mm -hmm. exactly sure why. As an independent adult, as a grown man, the prospect paralyzed him, and that very paralysis produced a profound sense of shame. He was failing as a man before he had even begun. And then he tells us that John uh, tried to commit suicide twice, which yeah gross to just use this story of someone yeah it's very
2: exploitative who i'm
1: sure did not consent to you using this story about them yeah uh, they
2: they changed the name but still it's not
1: great and, and especially given the fact that uh in 2021 january 7th as a matter of fact uh the mizzou student bar association which is the student government of the law school <laughs> at mizzou where holly's uh, taught uh issued a letter criticizing josh holly and calling for him to resign his position after the events of January 6th, uh, and the dean of the law school also basically condemning him uh, and saying in a private email to someone else that I think got leaked, uh, saying that in all effect, as far as she's concerned, his association with the law school had been terminated completely. Good. Um, I don't think very many people, like, I haven't been able to find very many, like, people talking about how Holly was as a professor, whether he was well liked or anything. But, you know, how you are as a professor, whether your class is fun, isn't really related to who you are as a person and how good you are at at helping people. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, sure seems uh, a lot of people don't like him now. Sure seems like he might have lost a lot of that. Uh, So anyways, it continues.
2: The other thing about that story is like he's like... He says this law student is is failing to to strike out on his own and be a man. He's still a law student. He's in at law, this point. yeah, yeah. Like and that's
1: another that other thing is that he said he's a computer scientist by training. So this like might be someone who has a little later in life gone back to law school or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe, or maybe someone who just did undergrad computer science. I don't know. Sometimes that happens. Those people go into patent law and they're weird. Uh, but uh, I'll also just say that like, yeah. He's a law student. He's apparently concerned about not going out on his own and being an independent man. But that sounds to me, and this is just me guessing, and it, it feels wrong to do so even, that this is just the impositions of the holly style bullshit masculinity that are imposed mm-hmm. on this guy that are giving him these ideas and these tensions. And I don't want to speak for someone that who obviously I don't know, but it sure would be plausible that that might be the case. Mm-hmm. That in fact, this bullshit Holly's pushing in this book is not something that would benefit this guy.
2: It is in fact what was to his detri- detriment. Yeah, it just locks you into a different structure. Yeah, it's it's a it's a Christo, whatever you want to call it, Christo a Christo fascist, if you want to call it that. Yeah, as opposed to a capitalist structure, which is, it's just a
1: different way of
2: limiting people. Right.
1: it continues his case may be extreme but the general pattern is by no means atypical the numbers tell the tale on one measure after another more and more young men are living at home with their parents apparently Why? capitalism uh like literally josh
2: literally because they can't afford to move out nobody wants to be living at home with their parents as a 21 year old 22 year old
1: looked at rent buddy yeah jesus christ Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's just stupid. Uh, One recent survey found that among 20-something young men considered lower-skilled workers, more than 50% are still living with parents or close relatives. Why?
2: Because they can't afford to move out, you dickhead.
1: Like, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the answer. I don't know what else. That
2: figure includes young men who have a job. Yeah, no shit. You have to make 40 times the rent to live in an apartment in New York City, so...
1: The only guy I ever knew uh, who still lived with his parents in his 30s uh, was the most right-wing conspiracy theorist I ever knew. Yep. Was the Alex Jones listening guy, a guy I called Stubbs, um, who I would hang out with back when I was a mechanic. Every day we'd get together and smoke and drink and shit, uh, and and we'd argue over Alex Jones' bullshit. Yep. (laughs) And he was still living at home with his parents at, like, 32. Um... You know, again, Holly, one of the things I wrote at the top of the page here, as my note uh, on the next page, is, oh my God, he's just going to pin the problems of capitalism on feminism. Like, he's that's yeah. the entire, entire book, he's going to pin it on leftism and the wokes and feminism is my well, guess at what this book is going to be.
2: I forget where I read it, but someone said at some point that America loves to blame the problems of... In- Sorry, the... America loves to blame individuals for the problems of capitalism. Mm-hmm. And that's like, oh, for structural problems. Yes. And that like, that's just, that that is this book in a nutshell.
1: But you know, better, the left just keeps talking about structures and oppression I know, I know. and that, bah, 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 bah. Uh, but it continues. We're going to go through some of his uh, numbers here that he gives us. As for jobs, fewer and fewer young men have them. In 2015, nearly a quarter of men between the ages of 31, uh, and 21 and 30, historically a cohort strongly attached to work in the labor force, had no work to speak of. Mm-hmm. So, for one thing, I tried fact-checking that claim because there's no citation for it there.
2: No, and we talked about this before we came on air, but I think it's funny. Uh, when someone knows how to cite, as Josh does, mm-hmm. as the absence lawyer, of... Yeah, the absence of citations is much more interesting to me than the citations themselves. Yeah, Because that that means he's chosen to state a half-truth, a fact, whatever, and not cite his sources, which means that he doesn't have a good source that he can cite This is one
1: thing we say as lawyers, which is when a lawyer, uh, when there is absence of evidence, there is evidence of absence. Yep. That's, yeah. When when you as a lawyer don't cite to something, it's because you didn't have anything. That's why you didn't do it. Uh, well, exactly.
2: And, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, it's a it's a it's an old saying of like that that which can be asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. And like yeah. that's.
1: Oh, and the other thing about that first one, the uh, ones living at home, I looked at that. I went and pulled up the, what he's citing there and it is an article that is like the they turned a speech into an article that someone okay, gave. Cool. There's no citations in it. Someone just said that. Is what he's citing for that first one. Again, a lot of this might be true. Some of this stuff was hard for me to look into. Like his claim about 21 to 30-year-olds. I couldn't find any study that used that age range. The age ranges you find when you look at, like, government data and things like that, they're categorized by 15 to 24, and then they're categorized by, I think it's 25 to 31 is the next one. So nobody uses that age range. And a lot of that lower part is people are in fucking college. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of the lower part of people who aren't in the workforce is they're in fucking college. That makes perfect sense Yeah. why that exactly. would be the case, why it would be lower there. And then a lot of people in their mid-20s end up returning to college. And they'll be out of the workforce for a couple years. It is not surprising at all. Uh, it's also not that far off from historical rates, uh, what he's claiming there. It uh, continues. In 1970, 95% of 30-year-old men earned more than their fathers had. By 2014, only 44% of 30-year-olds could say the same. You 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 going to ask the question, Benedict? Why? Capitalism, buddy. That's
2: it. There you go. Carry on. Let's go. Fuck it.
1: Capitalism. And he says about that, those are two measures of male malaise, living habits, and work. So it is apparently, according to Josh the fault of these young men in 2014 Mm -hmm. who he's citing weird that he would go to 2014 it's a weird time period to go to weird that he wouldn't go for something more recent when uh, the data more recently does show that the number is improving uh but those are because of the men it's their fault that that's happening yeah it's male no no structural
2: no structural issues
1: nothing about society as a whole can't can't find anything out about that by looking at real statistics or studies or anything. He also goes into the third one he has here, which is underperformance at school. He says, quote, boys earn the overwhelming number of Ds and Fs handed out in primary and secondary school in America. 70% worth. By eighth grade, a bare 20% of boys are proficient in writing in this country. I don't believe that statistic because define proficient. What do you mean by proficient? Do you mean like perfect grammar? I'm fucking 32 and a lawyer and my grammar's still shit. Uh, so,
2: my grammar is amazing. So. It's why
1: we have Clippy. It's why Clippy exists to fix our grammar. Uh, but then he continues to say, not trying is becoming a theme for young men when it comes to education. More of them are choosing to drop out of college or forego it entirely. Men now account for only 40% of college students in America, well below historical averages and well beneath their proportion of the college age edu- population. Uh, between 2015 and 2020 academic years, college enrollment in the United States fell off by 1.5 million students with men constituting 71 percent of the drop. So better. what
2: do you want though? do you want people to go to college or not? because like
1: good fucking question. Uh, I don't know if they've ever actually come to what they're like. It's bad, bad that, be that people
2: aren't that? going to college, but also people shouldn't go to college but also <laughs> it's bad that people aren't going. And especially when men aren't going. You
1: might notice the second number he used there was the year 2020. Benedict, anything happened in 2020 that might explain why, if you look at the chart I'm looking at, there's a rather sudden drop in college mm, attendance in
2: 2020? No, I can't think of anything. I
1: can't think of anything either. I think we'll just have to leave that one a mystery. No,
2: no plague.
1: No. The other data point I find interesting, Benedict, is if you look back historically at the data regarding college enrollment, The other big and very noticeable drop that you see comes right after 2010-2011. Okay,
2: so right when people started being like don't go to college they're feminizing you
1: right when I would say the rise of the modern century's largest know nothing movement happened yes the thing that inspired me not to go to college yes yeah. the conservative cool. culture that says college is for the libs and it's yep. all just
2: brainwashing and the weak.
1: Yep. Cool. yeah Yeah. Yeah, cool. that might be something to do with it might <laughs> yeah. be something to do with it might have just a little bit well
2: what are men doing with their spare time instead porn <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, man, I can't go to college. I've got way too much porn to watch. Dude,
1: I got a backlog. Like, if you go look at my browser... You go look at the tabs
2: oh, that I have open? Jesus like, Christ.
1: Honestly, I mean, I skip through constantly. Real, I mean, okay, if we're realistic, like, it's an hour and a half long video. It takes about five minutes to watch, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> Porn. It's all about the porn. He is obsessed with porn, isn't he? He's it so is, fucking yeah. obsessed with so porn. Funny. It's so weird. Because he yes, he is arguing here that what are these what are these young men doing when instead of going to college and working and shit? It's porn. The no citations. He literally, he literally says screens, leisure, comma, porn.
2: That's a whole <laughs>
1: sentence. So he does have a citation further down. In the uh, in the paragraph there, and none of these citations are very good. They just none of them. Yeah, are.
2: but it's it's basically it says uh, the vast majority of men's leisure time is screen time, and that's what the mm-hmm. citation says. And then he says, including video games and pornography. Like, yes. Yeah, men watch porn, obviously. Like, yeah. yes, some of some of men screen. T- well, everyone, I mean, not everyone watches
1: porn. Not everyone. Most people watch porn.
2: Probably. Statistically, most that's, people. Watch no, porn. that's definitely true. Yes, that is definitely true. <laughs>
1: Uh, but here's the fun thing. His citation for that, the uh, Nicholas Eberstadt and Evan Abramsky, is titled "What Do Prime Age Nilf Men Do All Day?" And I wanted Nilf to be like I don't know, nihilist. I want to fuck or something. <laughs> <laughs> nihilist. I'd like to fuck. No, I'd funny. like that to be the case, but it's no. Not in it's labor not. force. Boo. Gross. No, um, it is uh, an article. They, uh, they they're wrote. watching
2: all this Nilf porn. <laughs>
1: The subtitle of that article, A Cautionary Tale on Universal Basic Income, published by the Institute for Family Studies, a right-wing think tank pretending not to be that. Shocking. So, eh? yeah, sure, great about that. And then the other one he cites uh, is an article in the Journal of Political Economy, uh, Leisure Luxuries and the uh, Labor Supply of Young Men. uh, And then another one, which is The Impact of COVID-19 Pandemic on Pornography Habits.
2: okay. Yeah. Presumably, they got longer and went
1: up. Presumably, when everyone was stuck at home, everyone was watching more porn. That makes sense to me. Not surprising at all. So, yeah, he's just really obsessed with porn, and it's really weird, because I guarantee that's not the last time porn's going to come up uh, in this book. Uh, If we don't get a full chapter on porn, I will be surprised. Uh, it be very, I mean, sexual repression is a very important topic to Christian fascists, mm-hmm. So Great stuff. I'm excited for it. But then we move on to drugs. It's all about the drugs. Uh, he says depression and drug abuse, like his friend depression, like his friend John, uh, or drug abuse, both of which are at historic levels. Historic no, citation. levels. no citation. No citation. No.
2: Now, I think, again, are they like people used to fucking take barbiturates to go to sleep on like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, so I did try to look into this one. But the problem is that something like the word drug abuse is not defined. Yeah. So he's just vaguely waving the hands. I mean, the,
2: doctors used to provide like literally prescribe opium. Yeah. Like, so like, are they, Benedict, at they basically levels? still do? Yeah. Well, that's true.
1: Yeah. <laughs> But the thing is, if you go and look at all the numbers, and I spent some time looking at this, uh, one of the things you see is what may be leading these claims is increases in marijuana use. Yeah. Which is mostly because of legalization, dumbass. Yeah. Like, that's not surprising. That
2: presumably still gets reported as federally illegal.
1: Yeah, and B, it's fucking fine. It's like having a couple of beers. Yeah. As someone who has consumed, who has imbibed, who has, in fact, inhaled. Uh, There's nothing wrong with weed, dude If you're someone who thinks it's fine To pretend to drink a beer on camera Like Ted Cruz uh, Then yeah, you should be fucking fine with
2: weed Also, weed (laughs) is in the Bible, dude Relax Is it? Yeah, I think they're like yeah. I or is that is. just
1: something that stoners say? Uh, no, I think it is.
2: It is I th- I I'm well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure weed is in the Bible.
1: Benedict, this is gonna surprise you. Not a biblical scholar here. What do uh, you what and do and you think the burning
2: what do you think the burning bush is?
1: Dude, so like burning bush, man, like you ever read that and be like, dude, dude. So like they were just like hotboxing, dude. Are you God kidding? Was hot this, boxing. this
2: guy saw a burning bush <laughs> and then thought he spoke to God. That is drugs if I've ever heard. Oh of. yeah,
1: that's DMT. Oh Obviously, obviously, a uh, big John McAfee fan, the Bible yeah. writers. Uh, so <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> mm. Everyone remember John McAfee? Y'all remember all the drugs he did and murdered I a guy? Anybody remember? Ah, yeah. ah, these are callbacks, people. Uh, but yeah, so it's mainly about weed. It is true, the next statement he makes, that there has been a rise in overdoses Uh, From 1999 to 2017,
2: mostly because of fentanyl, presumably. Mostly because of the rise of fentanyl, obviously, uh, and the 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 opioid epidemic. Yes, Uh, which was uh, encouraged by capitalists again. So
1: capitalism, obviously, it's always capitalism.
2: It's another fucking why, and the answer is capitalism.
1: Yeah, Uh, and then he goes on to suicide rates uh, and says no sector of society is exempt: the young and the old, urban and rural, civilians and members of the military. And that last one there, like, boy, you have no fucking self-reflective ability, do you? The fact that we fucking fought forever wars for my entire yeah. fucking lifetime, I'm sure has nothing to do with that. Um, yeah. and I mean, on- there's,
2: there's several good articles about deaths of despair and, again, how capitalis- capitalism contributes to that. I think there's a book called Deaths of Despair as well.
1: I th- that vaguely reminds me of the title of an article or a book, maybe. I don't remember which, but that sounds familiar. So yeah. uh, he moves on, and we're moving on a little bit. He says... All is not well with men in America, and Mm. that spells trouble for the American Republic. It has been a perennial question of political philosophy since the first republics were formed whether a free nation could survive without soundness of character in its people. Basically, he's just saying, Hey, Plato wrote something once. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he says, Benedict, the old fashioned word for that is virtue. <laughs> meaning not just moral uprightness but the personal fortitude and vision such uprightness produces. Strength in other words. What did Machiavelli, Machiavelli
2: call? It? <laughs> <laughs> what did Machiavelli call virtue, Kevin?
1: Machiavelli spoke Italian, Benedict. Yeah. And what did so he call virtue? He called it virtue.
2: Virtue. <laughs> yep, he did. That's true because it's a Latin root word that we get from Latin, which unsurprisingly also went into Italian. It's the same fucking word, and yeah. what it actually means is manliness. Like no. vir is is man in uh in Latin, so that's why. And you would think that if he was doing an etymology, Boy, that'd be a he
1: better would... argument for him right? to make there, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. But he's dumb, anyway. Benedict. You're forgetting that he's
2: yeah, dumb. That's yeah. true. Anyway, uh, clearly, motherfucker never studied Latin to any high degree like I did. <laughs>
1: And how's that doing for you?
2: And now I can dunk on Josh Hawley on a podcast. So.
1: <laughs> but yes, male virtue is crumbling. Consequences are great. Blah, 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 blah. And he gives another example, which is the percentage of children living only with their mother uh, has doubled since 1968, Benedict. Yeah, doubled since 1960. Also oh, says, war on uh, drugs?
2: Anyone? War on no. drugs? Well, war, the war, mass crime, incarceration of black men in this country. Not even that. Just, just like divorce being a thing, and you don't have to stay with a shitty husband anymore. Like that's another thing. Oh yeah, um, also true. Also, crime rates are largely historically low. Like they've ticked up a bit post-pandemic, mm-hmm. but like they are way lower than they've been for a long, long time. Yep. Like since the 80s, they're like way lower.
1: Might also have something to do with legalization of marijuana in a lot of states. Might
2: I, also I, it's also something to do with getting lead out the paint and the water. Like <laughs> violent crimes have fucking gone down because people aren't losing their minds on lead anymore.
1: But then he goes to talk about uh, the idea of manhood and masculinity itself, and he he quotes anthropologist David Gilmore, who once wrote, "quote This is hit, what Holly put in the book, obviously." Mm. Manhood is the social barrier that societies must erect against entropy, human enemies, the forces of nature, time, and all the human weaknesses that threaten social life. that that's that's holly's quote from that guy and i sure he
2: ends the quote on weaknesses also
1: right and then adds his own little bit on the end there that's <laughs> that life. Life, right yeah. right because the thing is benedict that david gilmore was a fucking anthropologist who was writing about ideas of masculinity he was mm. not endorsing a factual description cool. of what masculinity so is. he was again
2: describing not endorsing
1: Allow me to read you the full quote with the beginning half that Holly left off. I think that we can characterize manhood, then, as a mythic confabulation that (laughs) sanctifies male constructivity. (laughs) In Walter Pater's terms, its critical threshold represents the point at which the boy produces more than he consumes and gives more than he takes manhood is a social barrier blah 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 goes on to the rest of it he also goes on later in that book it's from a book uh which was titled what was the title of that something man something to do with men it has something to do with men but something I don't to do with
2: men let me find the citation why you talk. yeah
1: yeah uh but he goes on later to discuss the relationship of his theories to marxist theories of manhood <laughs> in the making
2: cultural concepts of masculinity
1: so I'm sure Josh didn't read it given that this guy no. goes to talk about how his theory contributes to Marxist thought on the topic. I'm sure Josh didn't give it a full No,
2: I think Josh yeah, Josh gave it a cursory glance. He googled Josh typed in quotes about manhood. Yes. To Google exactly, and- I was
1: about to say. <laughs> that is exactly what happens there. But yeah, so that's uh, that's what we get from him about that. He says next, quote, "To be frank, some well po- uh, he-, he said that the, you know, there's a collapse of masculine strength." And then he says, mm-hmm. quote, "To be frank, some welcome that collapse, namely those on the American left. In fact, they have helped drive it.
2: No, but aspects of
1: it. In the power centers they control. <laughs> Places like. Who are they, Benedict? Um, I don't the American left. Places like the press the academy, and politics. They blame masculinity for America's woes. The tribunes of elite opinion long ago decided that male strength is dangerous, toxic, leading inevitably to oppression and a hateful patriarch. This
2: is the paragraph where, where he... Uh, where I'm not going to say he lost me, but, like, he particularly (laughs) lost me. Just eyes (laughs)
1: glossing over who gives a fuck. Yeah,
2: yeah, like, uh, up to this point, I'm like, okay, you're diagnosing problems, Mm -hmm. but what are your solutions? Here, I'm like, okay, you're just a dick. Like, you know, or, or, like, not even, like, okay, this is... Because it's uh, like I know going into it that this is disingenuous. This whole book is going to be disingenuous. Obviously, but up until this point, he'd at least been saying these are the problems as I see them, and you can you can quibble over the statistics, but you can say, okay, what are your solutions? He ends this paragraph with. As one liberal author summed up the conventional wisdom, talking about healthy masculinity is like talking about healthy cancer. That is not the conventional wisdom. This that is just a guy
1: screaming woke into a microphone.
2: Yeah, but th- like that's th- nobody thinks that in the conventional wisdom. Nobody thinks healthy masculinity is equivalent to healthy cancer. I also don't believe he wrote read the article anyway. No.
1: No, but and, and by the way, Benedict, hardly anyone read that
2: fucking article no.
1: because it was posted on Feminist Current and has five comments,
2: which nobody I, read. that Honestly, article. I didn't read the article, and it's fine. <laughs> like, but that's that is far from the consensus view on the American left. So fuck yeah. off.
1: Uh, so he next and I'm going to skip this because it's just based transphobia right yeah uh, the I, thing about,
2: I, I didn't really read this the
1: thing about yes. him harassing that Berkeley Law professor about trans people being able to yeah. have babies like it was it doesn't really matter and I don't really give a shit about it but yeah
2: manhood is fake womanhood is fake okay, and it's man, you whatever. know
1: conflating sex and gender as they always yeah, do because always. they refuse to understand it even though they've had it explained to their faces 50 times they yep. just don't care because it doesn't fit what they want to talk should about should
2: we talk about in the movement in the 1980s that promoted yeah, something called the deep masculine which he refers to once and then never explains again the deep
1: masculine are you familiar with this at all
2: it sounds like a porn title i like honestly like
1: you know what Mm, if it was a deep purple parody of gay (laughs) it's a deep purple gay porn parody yeah uh that would be very interesting what he's talking about here that he doesn't actually get into is what's called the mythopoetic movement uh which is sort of a like a follow up to the hippie sort of stuff that happened back in the 60s. And it's really like, I mean, I might enjoy it. It's a bunch of men getting partially naked and having weird uh, events in the woods, mainly, is what the mythopoetic movement appears to have been about. Uh, yeah. Based on oh, what I can oh
2: tell. is this the Robert Bly stuff? Yes, it is the Robert Bly it stuff. Is. It's exactly okay. the Robert okay, Bly okay, stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Know your enemy did an episode. I forget what it was called on Robert Bly, and it's really good. So if you want to know more about the um, the mythopoetic movement, yeah, it's yeah, really I would good. say
1: like the modern like follow through on the mythopoetic movement is probably like those weird men's day camps where they go and pretend to be military dudes and have somebody yell at them all day, like that kind of thing. Yeah, seems to be the modern translation of what that's come from. Because like the mythopoetic movement used to, back when it was like when Robert Bly, was we used to have
2: a up. real country. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was like, it was non-political and it was really just like weird folk, y kind of masculinity stuff. It was, it's strange. It's hard to define and I don't know enough about it. So I don't really want to get into it, but yeah, it's, um, I have no idea why he brought it up. I honestly have no fucking clue why he brought that up. Other than it was a pivot point for him to start talking about stories because the story that matters to him as far as masculinity is, of course, the Bible. It's mm. the only one that matters. It's everything comes from the Bible. And he says, quote, Liberals historically claim to prize liberty above all else. The members of today's left have pushed liberty into nihilism, defining it as the right to live free from biological sex, family, tradition, and God. M-free from reality. So, yeah, it's it's just more Christian fascism So We knew we were going to get it in this book. We knew this was a Christian fascist book mostly. I'm still disappointed when it's that lazy. It's just like, God, The left doesn't like God. Don't pay attention to the fact that uh, our current president actually goes to church every literal Sunday. Yeah, somewhere. and the the uh, MAGA
2: one uh, never did.
1: Yeah, except when he wanted to hold a book upside down and pretend that he cared about it so he could smash some protesters. But yep. we won't pay attention to that part. Uh, he continues, Men have been told this nonsense for decades, now by the press and politicians. They have been taught it in schools, that to be a man is to be an oppressor, that to display the masculine traits of assertiveness, independence, and risk-taking is to make society unjust, that to work hard in a blue-collar job is a loser's game for those who can't learn to code. So which is it, Josh, should they mm. go to college or not?
2: Yeah. Which fucking make, one is it it, it? it doesn't make any sense, his I argument. Mean, like, like, his I argument feel, has no through line at all.
1: I feel like my position on the issue is consistent, is that everyone who wants to go to college should be able to. That's yep. my position on the issue. Uh, his, and, completely and fucking incoherent.
2: I mean, I mean it's... It, it, mine is more than that. Like college should be affordable for anyone that wants to Well, that's to go.
1: what I mean by anyone who wants to but go,
2: you, go. But you shouldn't have to go.
1: Yeah, I don't think everyone should have to go to college. No, but as in, like, the job. I think it's that, beneficial, and I think people should, but I yeah, don't think they should. But I mean,
2: it. like, there are jobs that now require degrees that shouldn't require degrees, as well as you should. You yeah. should be able to get an entry level job without look, going to college. If Homer
1: Simpson could be a nuclear
2: physicist exactly. without
1: going. Uh, we'll uh, move on. Uh, so, yeah, he says modern liberalism has no path forward, blah, blah, blah. I have to look to another place, and that place is, of course, church. The Bible. Yeah. The Bible. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's. boy this is where it gets weird for me he starts off with quote today's liberalism is in many ways an anti-story it teaches that life is meaningless that there is no god no heaven or hell or eternity that we must each do our best to make our lives bearable in this passing moment moment in this cold and pointless universe knowing full well that it will amount to nothing in the end i mean well that does display my outlook pretty extremely bleak (laughs) and nihilist
2: wow
1: no like Again, it's the case of every single author we've done. You've never met an You don't know what liberal means. You couldn't define what you mean by liberal for me if a gun was to your head. You could not do it. No. Because it's an amorphous term that you just use to encapsulate anyone you hate. It's
2: the same as woke. It's the same thing. Exactly.
1: It doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, uh, George Orwell would be pissed. Yeah. So it continues. It was not always this way. The West was formed by a powerful story that had a good deal to say to men. It happens to be the oldest well, and most profound story there is. Benedict! <laughs> is the Bible the oldest story there is?
2: No. Or are there some in fact. Uh,
1: tablets? The, the Epic of Gilgamesh, I'm pretty yes, sure it's older. Much
2: older. Um, the, pretty sure I mean, there's, there's, there's
1: older stuff from uh, the middle. Uh, from, uh,
2: there's older stuff everywhere. It, like it's older, by no means stuff, the oldest story. There's older stuff from ancient Rome. Yes. Like the, Rome is a pre Christian society. Yes. Um, what I was gonna say is, it's interesting when he talks about the rubble of modern liberalism. Is the the mythopoetic movement? He's talking about that's the eighties. Yeah, like that's that's Reagan conservatism. Like, wh- where is the where is modern liberalism sitting within that tradition?
1: Look, man, uh, sometimes some uh, weird hairy dudes just gotta get naked out in the woods, and that's true. Uh, we don't talk about what they did because um, <laughs> they don't want to. And that's, Whole right.
2: bunch of drugs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, but yeah it's it, it, it's a weird turn I still don't understand why he put that in. I think it literally yeah it's is just, two paragraphs it's very I, weird I literally think it was just a, to enable him to pivot like narratively I think it was <laughs> just a narrative pivot is all it was in there for and I don't know why it among many other things has a citation in the end notes of the book when so yeah. many things that should have a citation do not I could not explain that to you but that's the way it is we just live with these things the way they are we're not able to change them he continues we are not supposed to say that today of course the bible is off limits schools are not to mention it uh forget the fact that many schools do in fact teach the yeah bible. And it's it's literature also... and talk about how he impacted various. like you can't you cannot teach moby dick without talking about the bible you yeah. cannot do that
2: no it's well that's the thing it's uh, you can't uh preach the bible but you can talk about the bible
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's the way it is.
2: Um, uh, Politicians
1: are not to speak of it. The chattering class cringes at the Bible's many appearances in American history. They want to erase all of that. The Bible is too much a part of the American story of which we are supposed to be so deeply regretful. But I, for one, have no regrets when it comes to the Bible. The Bible is THE, italicized, moral source of the Western tradition. It is the fount of our most cherished moral ideas from equality to freedom um slave bible anyone slave mm. Bible slave Bible we're not going to talk about the slave Bible
2: Well, the other thing is like he talks about you know the uh the oldest universities in the world as well like the, the Bible being the foundation of those, and the oldest universities in the world weren't christian universities uh nope. they were they were um middle eastern universities actually so Mm-hmm. Uh, the University of Bologna is the oldest Christian university, but there's also uh, one in Cairo, I think, that was founded before that, and I think one in uh, Morocco. And they might not have been continuously operating, but they 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 are the oldest universities in the world. So you can't be like, without Christianity, we'd have no universities. That's and just not I just
1: true. yeah, I, it's like the the Christians claim that the Bible is the source of everything, dude. Fucking ideas of equality and freedom were not. Don't come from the Bible.
2: (laughs) Talk to me about Buddhism.
1: The like, Bible incorporated those ideas from society. That's yeah,
2: how. It works. No, I do. This is, I think our, our our stupid shitty atheist training days will will really give us a good foundation for this. Ah, uh,
1: should be pretty great. Except that I haven't cracked open a Bible in like twenty years, so I, I don't know what shelf, what so he's. I don't even own one. I don't. I do. I don't need one. So I'm I have. Gonna own no,
2: one. I have one. I have a Quran. I have. I have them all because I think it's interesting. But... Oh, you have them all, huh? You have yes. the Bhagavad Gita, huh? Y- yep. I am become death destroyer of worlds. (laughs)
1: Uh, But he continues. He's just talking about how great the Bible is. He says. Well, he says it's a shame that the
2: Bible is so little known today. True. No, before we do that, before we do that,
1: he says, of special note to Americans, the Bible inspired the English revolutionaries of the 17th century who hoped to make of their nation a Hebrew republic where all men would be equal and free. Those revolutionaries in turn inspired our own. That is another way of saying that the Bible invented America Mm. as we know it. Look, if you
2: squint at these (laughs) words, <laughs> it kind of looks like, yeah. that's look, a lot so of you
1: know, well, you can't actually say it, but like, Just, yeah. If, uh, it,
2: it's, if uh, you if you think a little too hard about look, it, if then... you bash
1: yourself in the head with a hammer about eight times, <laughs> and then you look at this paragraph, that part makes perfect sense. Yeah, it, it's,
2: it's ridiculous. All seems
1: good to me. It's ridiculous. yes, he does say it is a shame that the story of the Bible is so little known today.
2: Which story? Like the Bible is a series of stories. That's the whole fucking point.
1: I mean, I would like it if the story of the Bible was a little less known. I'd be happy
2: with that. Yeah. I think we'd have I a better society. I don't think we have to worry about... Like, I don't think there's anyone who doesn't know who Jesus
1: was. Like- Dude... You can't walk down the street in America without running into a Santa Claus and an Easter bunny. Everyone, those are both in the Bible, right? Everyone (laughs) knows the story of the Bible. That's exactly it. But
2: like how many times have I said Jesus Christ in this, like in this very (laughs) podcast episode? Yeah, it
1: literally invades our idioms. Yeah. Like like there's there's no way to escape it. Um, And
2: oh my God. Like, yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) But yes, uh, the Bible, this is the most important story. And he's going to start off by taking us through, as he calls it, The story of Adam is somehow what he's going to walk us through in this book about manhood. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to be relevant. I'm sure it comes up in chapter two. Well,
2: I mean, the first man, so who God saw and was like, no, he needs a woman to regulate his shit. Exactly.
1: And then a bunch of horrible things that people have taken from that story of the Bible to support the subjugation of women throughout yep, the centuries. Yep, good stuff. No,
2: pay attention to that at all! Don't look over that.
1: And that brings us to the last two pages, Benedict. Uh, and there's not much that's interesting in here. There's a weird side story about Carl Jung and uh, yeah. Sigmund Freud that doesn't matter at doesn't all. Doesn't matter. Not sure and then he there. talks
2: about Theodore Roosevelt, once observed that yes. long before ancient Rome became a dictatorship, the Rome... The Roman Republic had ceased to exist because the hearty Roman yeoman had ceased to be capable of liberty. That might be America's fate. You know what Ameri- the Roman Republic was notably? Um old. Not Christian. <laughs> so the this virtuous Roman Republic was literally ended before Come Christianity on, it's Josh came on Hall. To, you know he's no gonna he think is. about he know you know how often he thinks about Roman. Thinks about the Roman Empire twice a day. <laughs> minimum. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Every thirty seconds, Benedict. Every Every time I take a shit.
1: (laughs) Every time I (laughs) read one of these books.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's (laughs) true. I can't fucking avoid it. Jerusalem and Athens.
1: But yeah, you know, he tells us a bunch about how the Bible gives him sense and meaning and blah blah blah. Who really? Good for you,
2: dude. Nobody like everyone can come to that on their own. Like nobody needs to be told
1: that. To the last paragraph, which I will read as I do, which is quote: I begin with Adam, the first of men, and follow his story across the Bible's pages. I say across the Bible, because Adam's project begins with, but does not end with Adam. And I really wanted to uh, believe that Josh Hawley is just a huge Assassin's Creed fanboy for the original series. <laughs> that would be really funny. I, I would really like that if that was the case. For people who yeah. don't know the backstory of Assassin's Creed, some YouTuber will tell you. You'll get the cur- yeah. you'll get Also, the
2: cur- like, okay, just very quickly. it end- Okay, Adam's story ends with one of his children murdering the other one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: That's... That's manly.
1: How it goes. That's manly, Benedict. It's yeah, really supermanly. manly.
2: Supermanly. Sounds like he was an absent father.
1: Nothing wrong with manhood as Josh Hawley defines it. Why wasn't he
2: looking God. after his children? Where was Adam when Cain murdered yeah. Abel?
1: Continuing. The commission God gives him is one the Bible says God means for all men. The Adam story is actually a series of stories running from the Garden of Eden and well beyond up to the present even. Stories that unfold as the men of the Bible struggle to do what God made them to do. Expand the garden. That's weird. That's mm. a weird phrase. Subdue the darkness without and within. Do, I believe in A Thing Called Love is a great song. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as they struggle to become men. My hope is that I'm telling again these Adam stories. We will find our own story written there and discover new vision for our lives. These are troubled times, but trouble may lead to renewal. If the Bible is right, the mission of Adam beckons, and the possibility of something better for men, for America, awaits us. Do you know In what chapter
2: one? Do you know what uh Soleiman the Magnificent would have called a man?
1: Um no, I only know about Suleiman from uh is it uh, uh Age of Empires 2?
2: Whatever. I think the I, answer is. Adam, because the Turkish word for man is Adam, and I nice. think if Josh Hawley knew that, he would have put it in the book.
1: Adam, also yeah. a big part of the Bioshock series, mm. uh, as the serum you inject yourself with to get superpowers. Cool. Mm? Yep. Awesome. Very relevant. You need All to play right. Bioshock. You need to. I will buy you an Xbox 360 so that you don't can play buy me Bioshock. Me. As it was intended.
2: I don't to have be room played. for an Xbox 360. <laughs> in my
1: Please, how do you it. net i you mean stick, I it do. Under a, stick it under a table I'm i do set, I'll, uh, we'll we'll make you play bioshock Christmas you have to kids. play bioshock yeah. you really <laughs> have to play bioshock anyways thank you all for listening we hope you enjoyed the show remember did you, you have fun with josh Hawley? uh this chapter is Not kind really of fun really. you know what it did is it brought me back to that thing that i love about the like the the nonfiction is fun it's a lot of fun but one thing I love about doing the uh, the nonfiction, rather backwards, whatever, um, is the fact that I get to nitpick and fact check all this bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I love when they give me citations, I can go look up and find out how horseshit they really are. That's yeah. something I love so much. It's so much fun to me. Uh, so I, I'm glad. I'm glad to be back to a nonfiction book. Uh, give me a little sense of normalcy in life. But... Yeah. If you can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash mygbc and become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shoutouts on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Right-wing cruelty isn't a bug, it's a feature. Dan L., Jamie Fritz, Teach Peace, Dr. Minim... Oh, fuck. Dr. Milminian Landalim Swinwomley. That's what I'm going with. The Ghost of Larry Nichols, Jacob Johnson, Dan Irizarry, A Wee Woo Thing, New Buildings Are a Globalist Conspiracy, Carrie Connorson, Bobo D. Bear, Madeline and Zachary Wilson-Vetro, Stephen DeBeau, Tori and the Gallant, Raptor Princess vs. the Shadow Wolves, Amy Kaiser, Sean Sullivan, Lauren S., I'd never listen to your podcast any slower than 1.3x speed, Oh Benedict, what art thou bright spot? Flackweasel, Kira Dackler, join us next week when our guest will be Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Henry Louis King, Sarah, Sarah Wolf, Aaron Burke, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Clifton Stuckey, Paws, a Restless Native, A Baby, Wah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C., George Saulnier, Stefan, A thruple of Mercantile Dogs, Utah Outcast, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Rung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Jay Reynolds, Stephen, and Cindy Dimmick, Taru Takannon, and Bald's Waters. And thank you all as always... <laughs> for being our That's too
2: long. We've got to raise the threshold. Uh, I'm sorry.
1: That's it for this week's show. Till next time. And goodbye. Goodbye.